This is the S Ra podcast. This is a boxing edition podcast. We're going to talk about Jose Ramirez versus Pedraza. We're going to talk about Chocolatito versus Martinez. We're going to talk about the undercard of these fights. So let's get into uh, Ramirez versus Pedraza in a fight that I saw slightly distracted. That's the excuse I'm going to use when I, I saw it live on Friday. And I, I came out that Pedraza had won. And everyone, like everyone on boxing Twitter, just like kind of like turned on me, right? It was just like, what the hell are you watching? There were some memes made, right? Some gifts that I, 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 I didn't hundred percent appreciate. You know what I mean? Like you know, I was kind of and, and especially when I felt that Pedraza really actually won. Like when I was really like set on that. So I went to bed that night. I was defending my uh, decision. I got up in the morning. Didn't, didn't sit right with me, right? Didn't sit right with me, and I didn't like it because a week before I had Taylor. I felt like Taylor won against Catterall. I thought it was close. I thought it could go either way, but I thought that I picked Taylor to win. And everybody kind of thought that was ridiculous. So I was kind of like, okay, wait, you know, maybe I'm the problem. I say, I feel like I'm one of the few people that will, will think that right away. You know, maybe I'm the problem. So then I watched the fight back again. No distractions this time, right? The volume off, and I just focus on this fight. I focus on. Both fighters, I try to keep it even what I'm seeing, and I'm only scoring clean punches. And it was a clear decision for Ramirez. And it kind of, you know, made me think that when the judges are not scoring the fight off a monitor and they have a crowds and a lot of noise and reactions like that and three different point of views, it could really throw you off. Slight things could really throw you off and cause you to really miss on what was happening in the fight. Because this was a clear win for Ramirez when I scored it. I scored it the exact same the judges had at 116-112. And sometimes you got to, you know, if you, you know, everyone is telling you you're wrong. But sometimes you got to go back and check it and be like, maybe I'm just not paying attention or not seeing what everyone else is seeing. I wasn't seeing it. Ramirez had clearly won this fight. Now, as far as breaking down the fight, I think Ramirez is kind of limited. I think that a lot of his... Uh, Effectiveness comes from he does have fast feet, right? He does get in on you quick. He is durable. He has some he has some power. So when he hits you, you know it really makes you stop. Really makes you move. Makes you not want to stay set. You know he's uh he could come in punching with combinations. He kind of figured out that his overhand right was kind of the key shot in this fight. And Pedraza, you know, had honestly chances. Uh, he was in position to do some good things, and especially when he could get Ramirez in the middle of the ring and he was kind of like pushing him back and picking his shots. Yeah, he could do some real good things in there, but it wasn't consistent enough. And another thing about Pedraza, like kind of, you know, one of those things you got to settle on, and this has ruined a lot of good fighters and skilled fighters, is that, you know, some fighters just can't take the damage as other fighters can. Like when it comes to Ramirez, he could take the damage. When it comes to Pedraza, it doesn't look like he could take the damage. And it's not just that like, you know, like a glass jaw. I'm talking about, it's just like when he gets hit, it looks like he wants to crumble from like just the pain of it all. And this happens in every sport, right? There's some guys that ankles just are no good, right? They just sprain it all the time. And there's some guys that, like LeBron, they're like never get injured. It's just durable. 
So, of course, there's going to be more durable athletes. And, of course, there'll be more guys in boxing that could just kind of take the damage. And Pedraza looks like he's kind of shook from the damage he's taken. And he just kind of has no interest really to taking the damage. And when the damage is kind of coming and it's not, you know, he's on the lead or he's not, you know, it's going to be some challenge, met with some challenge. He kind of looks like he might fold. And that's what happened in this fight. He just kind of folded and never took the chance to really, he needed to, to really try to win this fight. Ramirez wins. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not seeing anything that tells me like, oh, if Taylor leaves, this is the guy that's going to run this division. And I think that things are starting to look a lot better for uh, Tiafima Lopez, in my opinion. As far as like, and before this fight, I had already told, picked uh, Tiafima Lopez like a stock I was buying, especially at 140 pounds. I'm not seeing anything right here that really deters me from saying that Tiafima Lopez is, to me, going to be a, a serious threat for the crown at 140 pounds. Let's go to the next card, and this is uh, Chocolatito versus Martinez Array. And in this fight, uh, kind of went exactly how I thought it would. I did pick a stoppage. I did think the corner could have stopped it around the ninth and tenth round. And I do think that they did him no favor, uh, Martinez no favors by keeping the fight going. I understand that he has a lot of heart and he has a lot of power, so he's always in it. But he really, really, really took a beating in this fight. And against a guy like Gonzalez, when he's landing like that and the way he could put shots together and how pinpoint he is, I think it's really dangerous to keep your guy in there just to try to prove some point. You know what I mean? Uh, Martinez is young in his career. I told you that, you know, with his style... A guy like Gonzalez is just a nightmare for him. That you just be like that defensively flawed. And the fact that you just kind of like sit in there with a guy like Gonzalez who pinpoints his shots, can hit you multiple levels, has a wide variety of punches, and has a good pop on his on his hands. It just it was like a combination of just for a terrible night for Martinez. I, I knew that going in. Now he did go, he did last twelve. I don't think that really matters, right? Like, if they would have stopped this in the eighth round, is there any difference, like, with someone being like, oh, he won 12, though, until, like, he got stopped at eight? I just don't, I don't know if that's that really that big a difference or they, you know, did something for his career by doing that. But Gonzalez, you know, the most important part of the story is that Gonzalez proved that he's still one of the top guys at 115 pounds. Talking about going to 118 to be a, I believe that would be five-division world champ. Also, the division that Inouye's in, which is a fight that real boxing heads would get very excited for. And would really, like, solidify, like, Gonzalez as just one of the all-time greats. I mean, he probably, he is one of the all-time greats probably already, right? Not even probably, is one of the all-time greats already. But, like, if he beats Inouye, at this age, at this point of his career, after he's already accomplished so much... I mean, it's legendary, legendary stuff. It's a That'd be a legendary matchup. It'd be a great matchup. But just the fact that Gonzalez really, you know, showed the level that Martinez is and the level that he still is at is the story of this fight. Now, I do think that maybe this Martinez fight doesn't age that well as a victory for Gonzalez as far as, like, how great of a victory it was because I, I have my doubts that Martinez, you know, was... To me, it was... It, it was only a matter of time before really someone either knocked him out or put a beating on him like this. Gonzalez is the first one to do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Martinez, you know, this is kind of like his career, like where he gets like wins at like uh, guys from Mexico, local guys from Mexico, but when he steps up a competition, 
it's a tough fight or he might I think he's gonna I expect him to lose a couple uh, a few going forward I just I don't see you know he has too many flaws in his game and I understand the offense and the power he has but at this certain level it's just like no one's giving you those free shots like that Gonzalez is gonna have options I was I was saying earlier that like 115 112 even like 118 because they're not big money fights they're easier to make because you kind of just already know where the budget's at for it, right? You already you don't really need to negotiate. It's like, hey, this is what these guys get paid. It's not a huge amount of money. It's enough to fill up a card, right? It's a you can fill up a lot of cards, like especially if you're top, if you're match room, and you need to have so many cards. Like these are perfect main events. They're, they're the highest level. They're a controlled budget, a, a controlled price, and they're always competitive. They're always fun to watch. And I think that this is the closest thing you have to like the UFC format. It's going to be like 118, 115, 112. And there was some excitement for this fight. Like the look at the crowd there from Gonzalez versus Martinez. There was there was excitement for this fight. And you have Estrada, you have Bam, you have Franco. Uh, Inouye's only a little bit above it, right? Uh, Donaire, who's supposedly going to fight Inouye. Uh, below it, you have. You know, uh, I'm not 100% familiar with names, so like I don't want to like say like, oh, I know all the guys at 112. I don't know all the guys at 112. I don't know all the guys at 115. I know the top guys, but it's definitely getting more interesting. It's definitely catching my attention a lot more than it ever has before. And when Gonzalez is still performing like this, and you're still getting world class, pound for pound, top level guys, it's 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 uh, you know, if you're a boxing fan and you don't like, I don't really care about look at, watch these guys. Okay, these guys are very good. On the undercard, you had Laura versus Sanchez. And Laura's a man, of course, that uh, with the massive upset upset of the year when he beat uh, Josh Warrington, knocks him out cold. They had the rematch, ends in a cut, but kind of looked like Laura was, was heading definitely in Laura's direction again. And Laura goes in there with Sanchez, who's very tough. And he really goes in there to like kind of looks feels like to go just walk right through him. Does kind of look a little shaky at a point, right? Where he looks like he kind of gasses out. But then he just lands a vicious combination and knocks Sanchez out. Like, really, literally, the bell rings and he hits him. And, but he's like mid-combo and puts him to sleep. And it's a highlight real knockout. It really shows Laura for, you know, the threat that he is and how, how special that power is. And like I, as someone was asking earlier, like, what does Laura do so special? It's just like the power and the technique isn't really bad so with that power and you know good technique can make him very dangerous right you can make him extremely dangerous and he looks durable now cardio being a question going forward sure but if he hits you right clean it kind of looks like you're in trouble and of all the guys at that weight class right now which I want to say I'm I'm gonna go to the fight just so I know for sure. At featherweight, I think he might be the only guy with like a, an elite uh skill, right? Especially if uh Gary, you know who who knows if uh Gary Russell can still be competing at featherweight or if he's still gonna be competing as a fighter. Who knows right now? But if you eliminate him, I think Laura's probably the only guy with like an elite skill. And that's the or elite ability, and that's his elite power. Now let's see if Leo comes back. You know, Leo, Leo is a elite level fighter, but 
if he's not the for the guys that are actually there and actually competing at this weight, I think Lara is the only guy that brings something elite to the table. And that means that, you know, as far as like if he has an elite, that means you can beat everyone in the division. The gas tank is something to watch going forward, but that is very, very interesting. You know, what it's looking like for Laura. And they said that Warrington will be, um, you know, the Warrington rematch will have uh, the third one actually will happen if Warrington could get past. Kiko Martinez, which everyone expects him to, right? Because Kiko Martinez got the massive upset to get the belt, but no one assumes that he's at that level. So I think, you know, they're putting Warrington in a good spot to get a, get a title back and meet up with Laura in an epic third fight that just is the, the worst matchup for him ever. And I don't think he can win it. You know, he would literally have to box the whole time. It's like not really his game at all. And Laura could come out of here the top dog at the featherweight division, in the featherweight division. Another fight on the undercard. We have um, Sissoko versus Valenzuela Jr. And Valenzuela was game in this fight. He really was. He was he was super game. He even drops uh, Sissoko at one point in the fight. Sissoko looks like, and he's very, Sissoko is very, very hurt. Now, to start off, Soko looks very dominant, but it's kind of just like one, two, one, two, one, two. And the point of like not being able to switch up the variety of what punches you have, and then you got to start switching up like the timing of it, is because then the fighter just kind of gets used to it, right? And then he's getting hit with it over and over again, sure. But then he's just like, okay, but I know when he's going to do it. And that's kind of what happened in this fight. And then Valenzuela lands on him, hurts him. Does have the ability to really finish him off? Soko kind of goes back to like, what people were kind of critical of him before is kind of boring, kind of just one twos moving around. He's a little bit robotic, and I, I do think that that there is some um, similarities there with the Virgil Hunter fighters, where the fighters are kind of robotic, and Soko kind of reminds me of the same thing as Barrios, the same scale. A lot of the guys that came out of there recently, it's just like lack of creativity, lack of that special something that just puts him above everyone else. Now, did he do what he needed to do in this fight? He did, but it doesn't look like a world beater any, in any fashion, what I see. And just, you know, he seems like a good fighter that a world beater beats to get to that point, right? To show that he's at that level. That's kind of what I see from him right now. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra Podcast. <laughs>